I've always struggled to get past the baffling inconsistencies of the Psalms, and the best way I know to struggle is to write about whatever is bothering me. In the process, Psalms has moved from my list of least favorite books to most favorite. In its course of voices, we hear every intonation of what getting along with God might involve. How in the world did Ecclesiastes make it into the Bible? I've often wondered that, especially in periods when I identify so closely with the cynical viewpoint of its worldly author. And as for the prophets, since childhood I've been in recovery from the homiletical abuse of those mysterious books. I write about them because I want to understand them. With some regret, I will avoid discussing many of the difficulties and stumbling blocks people encounter in the Old Testament. For example, it contains some 600 passages of explicit violence, many of them linked directly to God Himself. How do we reconcile that with the nonviolence preached by God's Son, Jesus? I am tempted to drop everything and deal with these issues, but that would make for a very different book. This is not a book of argument or apology, rather one of self-discovery. Besides, many authors far more qualified have taken up these issues in great detail. Still, I must make two observations. First, I find the Old Testament to be, above all, realistic. When I view a play like Macbeth or King Lear, or a movie like The Godfather or Saving Private Ryan, I encounter a world of evil, violence, and revenge. I feel moved by those experiences because I recognize my world, violent in the playgrounds of Chicago as well as on the battlefields of Europe and Asia. Kids shoot each other at school. Terrorists blow up planes and buildings. Cops pound on handcuffed prisoners. The Old Testament portrays the world as it is. No holds barred. In its pages you will find passionate stories of love and hate, blood-chilling stories of rape and dismemberment, matter-of-fact accounts of trafficking in slaves, honest tales of the high honor and cruel treachery of war. Nothing is neat and orderly. Spoiled brats like Solomon and Samson get supernatural gifts. A truly good man like Job gets catastrophe. As you encounter these disturbances, you may recoil against them or turn away from a God who had any part in them. The wonderful quality of the Old Testament is that it contains those very responses as well. God anticipates our objections and includes them in His sacred writing. Kathleen Norris gives a healthy perspective on this issue in her book, Amazing Grace. Many people these days feel an absence in their lives, expressed as an acute desire for something more, a spiritual home, a community of faith. But when they try to read the Bible, they end up throwing it across the room. To me, this seems encouraging, a good place to start, a sign of real engagement with the God who is revealed in Scriptures. Others find it easy to dismiss the Bible out of hand as negative, vengeful, violent. I can only hope that they are rejecting the violence as entertainment of movies and television on the same grounds, and that they say a prayer every time they pick up a daily newspaper or turn on CNN. In the context of real life,
The Bible seems refreshingly whole, an honest reflection on humanity in relation to the sacred and the profane. I can't learn enough about it, but I also have to trust what little I know and proceed, in faith, to seek God there. Second, I detect in the Old Testament a gradual but certain movement toward grace. The Hebrews lived in wild, barbaric times. Their laws, which may seem harsh to us, represent a great softening compared to their neighbors' laws. They established basic rules of warfare and enshrined in their laws respect for the poor and care for the environment. They set limits on revenge and built cities of refuge. We must remember, as we look back on a time of blood vengeance, slavery, polygamy, and contract marriage with a brother's wife, that God had to work with...